Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Just three words. Last week we got through two words. I felt so challenged during the week about the word if. There are 7,487 promises in the Bible and those scriptures in the Bible are for me. And Jesus came and died for me so that I could have them if I have confidence in him. If I'm in his will, in him, if his words are abiding in me, then I can ask them those and make a demand in exchange for those promises and God will come through for me. Do I believe that? Or am I going to look at all my circumstances that are around me? There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 3, and that's where we're staying. Verse 12 of chapter 3 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief. He's writing that to Christians. That even us as Christians, sometimes we take those promises and we don't believe. He says, exhort one another daily. Today. So today I want to challenge you. Do you really believe? Don't just say, yes, 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 when I believe. Search your heart and say, do I really believe? Is my confidence in God? And there's a whole section, verse 7 right through to uh, verse 11, talks about the children of Israel in the wilderness and and how they disobeyed, they, they didn't believe. So they never entered into the promises that God had, the promise of a promised land, the promise of rest, because there was no confidence This whole chapter is a parallel between Jesus being our high priest and how Moses looked after them. Who is your confidence in? How do I know as a Christian that I do actually have confidence in God and in Him? The children of Israel were enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years. They lived in a let's call it like a suburb, uh, just outside on the outskirts, a a place called Goshen. And there in Goshen they had houses and and they'd lived, they planted vegetables. The Bible clearly tells us they had leeks and onions and they had meat to eat. But they were enslaved in a very hard life to the Egyptians. It wasn't something you wanted to be involved with, slavery in those days, daily beatings. All they knew was death and suffering. And God, the God of Israel, had been quiet for 400 years. The only thing they knew about God was what their fathers and forefathers and great-grandfathers had told them. Stories about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And then one day, in waltzes this Moses guy. Out of nowhere he comes. Now they didn't know him because he used to live with Pharaoh and he was brought up by Pharaoh's daughter. But then he was gone for many, many years and suddenly he comes back and Moses comes in and says, Da-da-da, I'm here. Put your confidence in God. I'm leading you out and I'm taking you to the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land of rest. So they put their faith and their confidence in Moses and they left and went into the wilderness. You see, they moved from being a people with a home. Now they were uprooted and they were living in tents. No home, no postcode, no playgrounds. The schools were closed. No pubs or restaurants. 
They had nothing to call their own. Everything they had known, all how, how bad it was, but it's still, it was gone. It was over. Now they're facing the Red Sea. They're trapped between two mountains, a sea in front of them, and the Egyptian army coming down upon them and have one thing in mind, is to slaughter them and to kill them. Moses comes to the rescue. This is the same Moses just a week or two earlier. He threw his rod on the ground and it turned into a snake and he picked it up and it became a rod again. He put his hand into his coat, pulled it out and was leprous. And, and, and then he put it back in and his hand was normal again. He was the, God, the, the Moses that was doing miracles. So they're following this Moses. Oh, he lifts up his, that rod of his and he splits the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts and the children of Israel are able to go through on dry ground. And the army is still coming. And on the other side, Moses lifts his rod and the sea closes in and drowns the entire Egyptian army. My goodness, just a couple of days earlier, the Egyptians had lost all their firstborn. So the, the early generation, the baby generation is wiped out. And now the army's wiped out. What an incredible victory. And there we see Miriam and they're dancing. They've got the tambourines and said, the horse and rider has been thrown in to see what a mighty God we serve. Oh, this is fantastic. But it quickly changes. Three days, three days, three days. One, two, three days later, they're in the wilderness with no water and they turn on Moses. We're going to kill you. Why didn't you leave us in Egypt? We, could have, we had homes, we had leeks, we had onions, we had meat to eat. Why are you bringing us out here so we can die of thirst? Oh, they were mad. Their trust wasn't, their confidence wasn't in God. It had been in Moses. Two months in and now they're moaning about food and, and meat. Who was this Moses guy? Moses was the guy that lifted his rod and split the sea. When they were thirsty, he strikes the, water, the rock and water gushes out. When they're hungry, Moses prayed and manna comes from heaven in the morning. When there's bitter water, he throws a tree trunk into the water and the water becomes sweet for them to drink. They want meat? Moses prays and quail comes in on flight every evening, fresh for them. You're hot? Moses prays and there's a cloud. You cold? Moses prays and there's a fire by night. Snakes come into the camp and start killing people. Moses lifts up a bronze snake on a pole. Anyone who looks at it is healed and the, the poison is taken away. This Moses character knows God. He goes up into the mountain and God talks to him face to face and gives him the Ten Commandments and comes down with these Ten Commandments. God even gives Moses the exact dimension and specifications for the tabernacle that is to be built. When Moses finished talks from God, they can't even look at Moses because the glory of God that is shining on his face. Could it have been the people had put their confidence in Moses, not the God of Moses? Do we do the same? Hebrews 3 is warning us and say, don't fall into the same trap that the children of Israel fell into. Do we put our trust and our confidence in the prime minister, a political system or party, a financial market or an instrument? Do we put our trust and confidence in Brexit or the scientific evidence? Or do we put our trust in the great protected NHS? Or is our trust in God 
Almighty. I don't want you to get me wrong. All those miracles and all those great things that happened by the hand of Moses was the God that was doing it through Moses. I understand that. And God can use our political system. He can use our financial markets. He can use our NHS. He has godly created doctors that can help us. But where's your confidence? Where's your trust? Is it in the doctor or is it in the God of the doctor? Is it in a political or financial system? Oh, you know, I can get a mortgage from my house. I can get a loan from my car. I can do this. I can do Or is your trust and your confidence actually in the God that created those instruments for us? God's not against Moses, but he wants us to put our confidence in him, not in a system, not in a house or a car or in doctors and nurses. Our confidence, our trust, our believing has to be in him. Well, how can we actually check and see, is my confidence in God or not? And he has a check that I, I thought was quite interesting. And, and God showed me this as I was reading in Exodus and Numbers, and I was reading the story of what happened to the children of Israel. Every single time they start to look at the circumstances, no water, nothing to eat, no meat, some challenge that they faced, they turned to Moses. But what was the thing that came out of the mouth? They were grumbling and complaining. They wanted to kill the man. They didn't come to the throne of grace, as it were, as we've shared with you last week, with thanksgiving and trust and saying, Lord, I'm thirsty. Could you please provide for us? No, it was, Moses, provide for us. We'll kill you if you don't. Is our trust and our confidence in a person, a man? Is it in your pastor? I've got news for you. I'm going to let you down and annoy you. Yes, I am, because I'm just a person. You don't put your trust in me. You've got to put your trust in God alone. When we have things happening to us, read what you're writing on your texts. Is it trust and declaration in your God was grumbling and complaining that you didn't get your NHS consultant to phone you on time or you didn't get the right prescription or the financial markets are a little bit low. Oh, you know, the housing market's on a downer. You know, the second half of this year is going to be bad. What's coming out of your mouth when you start talking like that and you're declaring things up in advance? We haven't got to the end of the year. How do you know what the end of the year looks like? You're guessing. You're putting your faith in the news and in the media and everything else. Your confidence should be in God. I don't care what happens to the country. My faith is going to be in God because I know he's going to get me through. If he needs to part the waters, he'll part the waters. If he needs to bring in quail on the wind, he will bring in quail. If he needs to feed me with manna, he'll feed with manna. Would we put our trust in him? What is coming out of mouths? Do we really believe what he said he was, who he was? Do we believe that he can do what he said he can do? Those 7,487 promises, do we actually believe it? Or are we going to say, I will believe it when I see it? No, come on, friends. Why don't we start to put our trust in him? Let's put our trust in God's word for our lives. Don't allow experiences, the pain that you're feeling, the suffering that you're in, the lack, the bereavement that you're experiencing right now to determine what you believe in. Believe in Almighty God. Don't grumble and complain. That is a symptom that our trust isn't in Him. Back in Genesis, when God created the world, He created the heavens and the sky. And then he put birds in that environment. And the birds can fly because they are confident 
in the environment. He created the seas and he put fish in the sea and they're confident in their environment. They can swim in the water and they swim and they do well. But you can't take a fish out of the environment and put them in air environment. Because when you put a fish in the air, it will die. Because there's no confidence in that environment. Similarly, you can't take a bird and put it in the sea because the bird is going to die. It's not confident in that environment. God said, let us make man in our image. We were created in the environment of God. We were created in His image. We are designed as people to operate in His environment. In Him we move and live and have our being. In Him our confidence has to be. All the promises of Christ are yes and amen in Him. If we will believe and if we remain in Him. If we are confident in Him. 1 John 5 verse 14 This is the confidence that we have. We can have whatever we ask if we come. If, notice the word if. Are we confident enough to come to Jesus and say, Lord, this is the confidence I'm coming, I'm asking you and I know I will receive because I'm coming to you confidently and I'm coming with an, not with just guesswork. I know that you'll come through for me. This is the confidence that we have. He hears us. Oh my goodness, Jesus, God Almighty hears us. When I come boldly and confidently, he said, what do you want, Wayne? Let me hear He's always listening. His ears attentive to us. Isn't that exciting you? My goodness, 7,487 promises. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Here's the gift. I'll make an exchange with you if we will come to him and make our requests known to him. John 15, 7 again, we looked at it last week, says, If you abide in me and remain in me, then you can ask whatever you wish. Oh, come on, people. Let's get into his presence. Let's find out what his will for our lives are. All the promises are yes, amen in him, if our confidence is in him. The children of Israel, in the last verse of chapter 3, it says here, they could not enter because of unbelief. You see, they didn't believe, they didn't have confidence in him, so they didn't fulfill the if, they didn't come to him with their requests. Therefore, they didn't get the promise. If confidence. The third word I'd like to share with you is rest. You see, when we enter and we know the throne room of God, we come in and we're confident with Him, there's a rest. Wow, because my God is able, I believe Him, my confidence in Him, so I don't have to worry about it. Immediately it's a rest. The rest that I want to talk about, it's not, it's not a resting where we say, oh, I've got it, I, therefore I don't have to strive. I've been healed, there we go, rest is, I'm in rest now. No, it, it's, it's a state of being that is while you're still in the problem, you experience an assurance that my Heavenly Father has got me covered. Even though right now the thing that I'm believing for hasn't manifested, I know I can trust Him, I can believe. My confidence is in Him. So now I'm at rest. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, Let us enter into that rest. There's a rest for us. Let's be diligent and enter into that rest. What he's saying is, if you put your confidence in Jesus... If your confidence is in Him, you can enter into that rest. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, In quietness and trust, in confidence, I will have rest. 
Are, are we prepared to just quieten our storm around and say, hang on, wait. I know the whole world is moving around me. I know everything. I know I'm not well. I know these financial problems. I know my relationships suck. I know all of that is wrong. I just, shh, shh. I want to put my confidence in him. Isaiah 40. Oh, you know this verse. It's, it's famous. Even young people are going to get tired. Those, though, that wait on the Lord, have confidence in him. They're the ones who are going to renew their strength. Or are you going to take time out to rest in him? I'm believing in you. Lord, the storm that surrounds me, the tiredness that I'm experiencing, I'm casting it on you. I put my trust in you. Psalm 46 and verse 1 and 2. You know that very well. We love to quote verse 10. Be still and know. And we think that means keep quiet and be shut up. And No, no, it doesn't say that. Verse 1 and 2 talks about storms, drama, anxiety. Oh, when storms of life are all around us. That, is that when we are prepared to say, I'm getting into the presence of Almighty God. I choose right now not to complain about the storm. I choose to put my trust and my confidence in Him. The children of Israel, that's all they needed to do. Stop looking at the drama around them and put their confidence and their trust in Him. The story is told of a painting when they asked to depict what peace is. And the painting was of a, a cliff face and a storm that is raging, wind howling, lightning, thunder. But on the cleft of the cliff is a bird nesting. Their trust is in that nest. They are secure. When storms around us are howling and lightning and thunder and drama, are we prepared to put our trust in him? Psalm 37 verse 7. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, do not fret. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently, rest. You see, remember last week we had a look at, hold on to your confidence because it's great reward if you hold on patiently and you carry on holding on. Just because you haven't seen your miracle yet, don't give up, don't quit. You know, um, you might have been at a football game or a cricket match or something and at the interval period you, you want to go get yourself some refreshments and you go and you look and you say, right, I would like to get myself a nice uh, juice or something or burger because you're hungry. And when you get there, there's a long queue. A and what happens? We start to get discouraged. Oh, but I haven't got my burger yet. What I'm trying to remind you and what Hebrews chapter 3 says, don't give up, don't quit. Come on, yes, there's 10 people in front of you and they're getting their burgers and they turn. You don't, you're not getting cross with them because they got their burger. No, they were patiently, they endured. Well, you have confidence that when you get to the front, you're going to get your burger. Don't give up. If you turn around and walk away, you will never get your burger. Don't give up on the 7,487 promises of God. Hang in there. You say, I'm not giving up. I'm going to enter into rest. Lord, you said it. I believe it. Therefore, and I'm not, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to get anxious about it. In South Africa, we have severe, violent uh, thunderstorms, really, really bad. And in our bedroom, there was, we had skylights, huge skylights. They must have been like a meter or so big.
storm came over, my goodness, the lightning would fill the room and the crack and the thunder, my goodness, it was loud. And the kids were very small at the time and they would run into our bedroom screaming and they would be so terrified and they would jump into the bed between Claire and I and we'd pull up the duvet and you know what they do? They doze off and go to sleep in the middle of the storm because their confidence was in me, the father. What was I going to do about the storm? In the natural, I couldn't do anything. But just because they were with me in rest and peace of God just filled them. Come on, you can do the same when you can a storm of life and battering. Get into your place with your heavenly father. Get into his arms and say, I'm going to rest. I'm giving the care to you, the sickness to you, the financial problem, the relationship problem. I'm giving it to you. Put your confidence in him. If you will go to your father, he will give you that rest. You know, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through to 11, all talks about the children of Israel and how they didn't believe and they didn't enter into, and they grumbled and complained and they didn't get into that rest. And it's actually a quote from Psalm 95. And Psalm 95, as you can see, it's almost like there's two Psalms in one. The first couple of verses is all about worship. Right through to verse 6, it is all about entering his presence and, and coming with thanksgiving and, and praise and worship. And then it says, don't harden your hearts like the children of Israel. Don't, they're the ones who didn't enter into, worship, into praise and worship and, and into rest. What I'd like to submit to you, number one, first checkpoint, oh, do you have confidence in God, is what's coming out of your mouth. Are you quietening your soul? Are you criticizing, grumbling and complaining? But secondly, the second thing I want to ask you is, are you getting into worship and time with Him? That psalm clearly says where the children of Israel were disobedient and they didn't trust, put their trust in Him, so they didn't come to Him. And it says, come with thanksgiving. Think about all the things that God has done for you. Say, Lord, I'm so glad you have set me free. Thanksgiving is quite selfish. It's all about what God has done for me. You remind yourself of what God has done. He says, He brought me out of this and He healed this and He did this. And get yourself and say, thank you, Lord, I'm so excited. But then you suddenly realize, hang on a minute. The verse 2 says, I come with thanksgiving, but verse 3 is, I, I come now with praise. Because when I start to think that when I was sick, he healed me, they, that means he's my healer. Ah, oh God, you are my healer. And so all your thanksgiving now starts to go to praise. When you start to think of his names, when you start to think of who he is, you start to get all excited and say, Oh my goodness, I serve an incredible God. I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Nothing is too hard for Him. He loves me with an eternal love. Nothing I can ever do will change that. And you start to thank Him and praise Him for who He is. But then it moves us into worship in verse 6. You see, I declare He is my King, He is my Lord, my Savior, my peace, my... He loves me and then all of a sudden I start... And now worship is my response to my revelation of who he is. And I say, he loves me. Abba, Father loves me. Daddy, Father loves me. Lord, I love you. Father, I love you. And you start to worship. And you get into his presence. And you allow his presence to saturate you. You're putting your confidence in him. You've quietened down the storm around. And you're putting your confidence in him. You're entering into his rest that he has for you. If you confidently come to him, he will give you rest. Three words. All his promises are, well, most of them are conditional. Will you come to him confidently?
and enter into his rest. Because I can promise you, according to Hebrews chapter 10, if you come confidently to him and you don't cast away your confidence, you will reap the reward. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for 7,487 promises. Your will for my life. I make that exchange. I come to you and I put my trust in you. And before I see anything around me, I have decided I trust you. So I cast my cares on you. I want to come in to your presence. I want to worship you and get into rest. Not striving, not working, not, not turmoil in my soul. I want to rest and be at ease in your presence. Because I'm confident in my God. Forgive me for grumbling and complaining and moaning about political systems and medical systems and conditions and symptoms in my body. Forgive me for that. I put my trust in you. Lord Jesus, thank you that when I put my trust in you, you are faithful and you're reliable and you're watching over your word to perform it as Jeremiah 1.12 tells us. Thank you. You'll never let me down. Amen.